I don't care what kind of mouth swords you've got, Bitsenhofer. <laughs> Play that bugle. But you're the one who gave them to me, sir. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that sucked and shows that blowed. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe, secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Hello, and welcome to A Very Special Episode, the podcast which reviews very special episodes of TV. I am your host, Austin Gorton, coming to you from the Ryan Alexander Tanner Memorial Recording Studio. (laughs) With me is a sassy nurse, Carolyn Maine, and a mouthy doctor, (laughs) David (laughs) Bittenhofer. He is a doctor, and he'll check it out. This week, we are discussing M.A.S.H., Season 3, Episode 24, Abyssinia Harry, in which M.A.S.H. Commanding Officer, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake, is given orders to go home, leaving the M.A.S.H. unit to mourn his untimely passing and then his untimely passing. Uh, So, this is our first M.A.S.H. episode. Yeah. This is one of those classic sitcoms that was on, um, I don't know, forever? Like (laughs) 25 billion years, it seems like. It lasted longer than the Korean War itself. I think, like, yeah, longer than the war. (laughs) And its finale, I believe, its, its series finale, I believe, is still considered the highest rated scripted television of all time. Yeah. MASH was huge. It is huge. It probably will uh, never be beat, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, not in this day and age. Um, <laughs> With the way of, television went, where yeah. no one has to not, no one has a computer, so they don't have to do TV. Yeah, right. and you just don't have to watch things as they happen, especially scripted stuff, you know? Right, oh, right. Man. You feel like it. That's so much so, better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, what is your relationship with Mash? Uh, my dad loves Mash. Dad's every love everybody's Mash. dad loves Mash. <laughs> <laughs> I should have introduced this as we're reviewing Mash, the series everyone's dad loves. <laughs> Dads love it. Uh, so when we would have for a period of time, it was the show on at six o'clock when we'd eat dinner. So my dad would always have that on. And there'd usually be, like, mash into Night Court. Yeah, there you go. That was our dining experience. So as a kid, I'd watch... I watched a fair amount of it, and I know... Like, I know Henry Blake is the fishing hat guy, but uh, but I've always was a more of a Colonel Potter, Charles Winchester III, B.J. Honeycutt kind of guy, because I, I don't know. <laughs> I was more familiar with them than their uh, earlier counterparts. Uh but and I'm trying to so as a kid I'd watch it with my dad my dad would love it and it always just felt like a drama masquerading as a sitcom to me yes right and <laughs> just rarely and so and it really seemed that funny to me now I was also younger and I it's like one of the funniest sitcoms I think I of all time is like uh, rusted development and if I was like nine year nine years old watching it I doubt I'd find that very funny either but right. I don't know. It's not like this episode changed my mind on how funny I think the show is. Are you is. suggesting this episode wasn't a rip-roaring laugh a minute? Laugh yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and so I guess the, the short version is I've watched a fair amount, so I know a bit about it. 
I respect it, but I don't know how much I actually like like it. <laughs> uh, Carolyn, how about you? Uh, again, pretty much agreeing with David. It was mm. nice that you segued it to Night Court because, yeah. like, <laughs> talk about the tragedy face than the comedy face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and as a kid, you know, I fucking would love Night Court. That's like a perfect thing to watch, and it's very exciting in a way that Mash isn't. Mm-hmm. Like, even the exceptional theme song, which we'll get to, like, it's depressing. The yeah. whole thing is depressing. You're like, oh, man, war is hell. And you're like a five-year-old kid eating Cheerios. <laughs> and you look back at your dad, and he's like, sure is, man. I, so it's, it's it so serious. Occur- yeah. Well, it only occurred to me how weird it was just thinking about it, knowing I'd have to talk about my experiences, is that at the dinner table, like, me and my siblings would sing along <laughs> to the theme song of MASH. <laughs> right. Which would just go to us with, like, though suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. We don't so know the rest of the words to the song, and we'd sing that every mash, 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 every mash. dinner time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great, great way to kick off dinner, mm. uh, fa- family dinner. I bet dads love watching their children sing about suicide. Apparently. <laughs> Austin, what is your relationship with Dad's Mash? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have distinct memories of my dad. Uh, watching MASH, but I'm sure that he did, because it was, like, the biggest TV show in the world for a long while there, and my dad was big into TV, so um, I'm sure it's a show that he watched. I feel like my personal experience with MASH is um, watching the end credits, because (laughs) for whatever, whatever I was watching at the time as a kid, whatever, like, cartoons I was tuning in to see after school or whatever, they were on immediately after presumably syndicated episodes of mash so i would i would turn on the tv to catch some ducktales or some (laughs) gi joe or something and i would catch the end credits of mash playing before they switched over to (laughs) cartoons for a few hours so So it's like i know the song (laughs) so well because it was always playing over the end credits but i know very little about mash itself well you would see still shots from the episode so you could have just guessed at what the plot was if you wanted (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is there's a lot of smiling going on happy show (laughs) <laughs> that is so funny, like the segue from the MASH theme song to the DuckTales theme song. <laughs> right? Like, I feel like that's a segue that I experienced numerous yeah. times as a kid. So familiar, uh, but like really jarring and a real different kind of vibe. On both well, of I feel like life is like a hurricane really applies to MASH, too. You <laughs> that's know? true. Right? Right? You could swap the lyrics. I'm just yeah. saying In it's the melody. Korea. <laughs> yeah. Race cars, lasers, airplanes. War is madness. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, and then yeah, uh, obviously get as I got older and you know learn more about like TV history and stuff. You you learn about Mash. You learn about some of the characters. Um, you know why it was significant and all that. But yeah, not a not a show that I have a ton of of personal experience with. So I apologize to any mash heads out there because many of these characters, I'm just like, and then lady person does this. And this guy does that. I know. Hot lips. Who? Yeah. Or that lady person. (laughs) In some forms, lady people. Well, Hot Lips Houlihan, I am a, I, I knew that was a character on the show, but I did not know which character in this episode wow. was Hot Lips oh, Houlihan. Even Clinger, I, Clinger I was well aware of. <laughs> 
Uh, so yeah, the we'll the, <laughs> the episode in question starts off with that classic theme song. Suicide is painless. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, we talked about this offline a bit. I think the story goes. So obviously, it was a song that was written for the Robert Altman film. Yeah. That mash is ostensibly uh based on yeah i mean and, it, yeah i mean and and the idea is that i think they wrote lyrics to it so that they could get more money out of it or something like that well the way i heard it was just like they decided to have the song in the movie and they sing the lyrics to it in the movie too and then it's just they they needed someone to write it, and then like was it the director Altman himself who like had his son write the lyrics for whatever reason, and then then they decided to do this TV show, and then the TV show is like nuts to these lyrics. We just need the music, but the son still got royalties even though the lyrics were never used in it, just because that's how it works, I guess. Or I don't know if he actually had to sue for that or not. I don't know. Yeah, I forget that part of it. But, uh, whether he sued or not. But I think it's now established that you can't... That the writer of the lyrics will still get royalties even if the lyrics are never used and they just use the um, music behind the lyrics. <laughs> Didn't they right. do that for Star Trek too? There was never lyrics to Star Trek show, or There's like fake lyrics that someone's getting a check on. <laughs> there might be. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, that sounds familiar, Carolyn. I should... Uh... I should get the crack research team on that. Not that it's terribly I mean, germane to this episode, but I, I do think I remember hearing uh, something. Although about the that. original Star Trek, I guess, did have the lyrics of. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a lot of money for writing down all those O's. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cramped in your hand, you know. I mean, a dollar an O, and you get a lot of money for that. <laughs> Paid by the O. Yeah, I get to crack research on that because the kids are pretty bored that MASH is on. <laughs> You're right. Right. They need a, they need something a little uh, little bit more rock'em sock'em, I guess. <laughs> um, all right. So after the theme song, we come right back into the first scene of the episode. Um, all of the MASH doctors are in their, their operating room and they are playing a game uh, called Name That Tune, where someone is uh, saying the sort of phonetic musical sounds, and then Alan Alda's Hawkeye is able to figure out what song they're singing, I guess is the deal. And they're also playing a little game called Operation, too. <laughs> yes, on, on living human beings that are uh, uh, being operated on. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll comment on this further, but there is kind of this, they do this a lot. And I guess it's trying to, like, show how desensitized they are to all this, you know, because that's just what they do day in and day out is all the surgery on people who are, you know, shot up and such. But it's still kind of weird. It's like, I still feel like doctors and surgeons would take more care than they seem to be doing. But I always wonder about the people playing the injured people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how many how many people are actually in that? on that set being, you know, operated on and how much of it is just like piles of clothes under a sheet and things like that. Yeah, you'd assume if you don't see them, there's nobody there, but maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Right. You'd think that, but I don't know. Maybe not. It'd probably be a sweet job as an extra. You just like get to lay down all day. Mm -hmm. Right. It's also it was also very uh, jarring for me to see Alan Alda with a full head of jet black hair. Oh, man. (laughs) 
This he is, is looking this, good. This is how I see Alan Alda. Like, <laughs> you say his name is just in MASH. In the red robe or whatever that uh, maroon robe he wears. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I've seen him in so much because I didn't really watch a ton of MASH. I've seen him in other stuff where he's been older. Yeah. And so that's, it's jarring for me to see him yeah. so young and virile in this episode. <laughs> he had a great little cameo in 30 Rock, and he is definitely old. And I've gotten yeah. to see him old, and he still looks nice. Like, he still has that Alan Alda twinkle, which whatever it is, bottle that, because I want some. Right, but right. when he's young, he's like really young, and he's not like a traditional hunk by any means. But the twinkle really makes him go far, and he looks like he's <laughs> what twenty-two years old. His hair is great. Yeah. So then Radar comes into the operating room and uh, and tells Henry that he has received his discharge papers and he is going home. And you feel like this is the kind of news you wait till after surgery to say. <laughs> Like yeah, there, there's a uh, there's a couple of uh, <laughs> just one <laughs> there's a couple more. Of t- yeah, yeah, just uh, literally two yeah. times that radar comes into the OR, and you're like, maybe wait until they they've stitched yeah. up the people they're working on and, and have this scrubbed was happy out. news. But but at the same time, if he's working on somebody, don't you want him like focused and calm and not like excited or anything? You know, you right? don't want him to, mean, his heart rate to raise at all. I guess when you're uh, when you're being operated on in a battlefield in Korea, you're just happy to get what you get, and yeah, I swear. <laughs> that's that. Uh, so this just in from the cracked research team. Oh man, mm. are they being operated on? They're doing the operations. That's oh, the okay. sad part. Oh, uh, they're not qualified. Their health insurance plan is just to operate on each other. <laughs> so the so the original Star Trek theme song to the 1960s TV show yeah. was written by Alexander Courage, uh, film wow. composer, and uh, the the story goes that uh, that as the composer, Courage stood to make a lot of money, as did the person who wrote the lyrics. And you go, wait, there were no lyrics to Star Trek. Well, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek wrote lyrics to the Star Trek theme song and then said, no, I don't like those lyrics. We're not going to use them in the show. But because he wrote them, he got a co-writer credit (laughs) on the theme song. And so then he gets 50% of the royalties of the theme song. Dick move by Roddenberry, right? Uh, Yes. Total dick. (laughs) This is this is uh, this is all according to mental floss. So take that as a as a grain of salt, or take that as you will. Uh, Courage was furious about the deal, though legal. He admitted it was unethical because Roddenberry had contributed nothing to why the music was successful. Roddenberry was unapologetic. According to Snopes, he once declared, "I have to get my money somewhere, and I'm not sure I'm going to get it out of the profits of Star Trek." Ooh. <laughs> This doesn't sound like the uh, writer of the communist utopia that is Star Trek and its universe. Right? Right. Yeah, look up the lyrics sometime. They're pretty terrible. <laughs> that sounds more like the what's-his-face guy. Oh, a Cleon? No. the Ferengi? Yes. <laughs> the Ferengi Quark? The, that guy, the evil bad one who is a money de- dealer. Well, they're all so, yeah. evil bad guys who are <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Real quick, back to Mesh. I just want to say, first of all, that I really like the little buttholes that are in between the M, A, S, and H (laughs) on the title. 
<laughs> the little asterisks. Yes. Yes, yes, the little buttholes. Just to let us know it's an acronym. <laughs> what is the acronym for, Austin? You know, right? Medical Assistant Swamp I don't House. Think it's Isn't it mobile? Is it <laughs> it is? I, be- I believe it's Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty that's good. Uh, yes. <laughs> Per the Cracked Research t- team, it is the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. We got there. All right. Yep. So you can find me <laughs> online, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, next scene, uh, Henry is trying to schedule a time to call home and tell his family that he's coming home uh, because there's all kinds of goofy stuff since they're in Korea uh, with time changing and the dateline and all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, when they figure out after they figure out what time he's gonna call, uh, Henry proceeds to tell Radar all about how he's gonna plow his wife when he gets home. <laughs> that was a long scene. He had to make sure Radar knew how hot his wife was first, and then <laughs> right, he's, he could just be like, "When I get home, I'm understandably going to have sex with my wife." <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Let me paint you a picture about how hot the wife I'm going to have sex with when I got home get home is before I tell you about how I'm going to have sex with her." <laughs> Yeah, he basically drew her on a notebook with, like, big W titties and a smiley face. (laughs) And then, like, drew arrows going in. Me, my wife, soon. (laughs) So, David, would this be an unfair comparison? I got the vibe that that Radar was sort of like a less annoying version of this show's Screech or Urkel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about fair. I should probably stop my cat from drinking from the toilet, though, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, cats are going to cat. That's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I mean... I like him a lot better than Urkel, though. He well, certainly to... nothing. I mean, nothing in this episode does he ever get annoying to the level of a Screech or Urkel. But he seems to have that like uh, sidekicky, not comfortable with normal social interactions true, true. vibe. I guess, and he yeah. does get dumped on consistently. Yeah, I mean, he's what would be the good version in a TV show of a uh, Urkel or. Screech, where yeah, they are kind of the sidekick, the awkward one, but they're not annoying, and it's not like you you understand why people hang out with them or him, and you know, like yeah. are friends with him, and because it's not like he's he's a good person, you know, and he does, and sometimes he's goofy, but he's not like annoying or like causing problems, or he doesn't like right. bump into the tables while they're doing surgery. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did I do that? <laughs> okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, so, Dave, you're going to have to help me out in this next scene here. Okay. This is this is Hot Lips Houlihan. Yeah, with Frank Burns. Frank Burns. And I, they I are... I'm a fan of Frank. I mean, you're not supposed to like him anyways, but I don't know. Charles Winchester yeah, III was my guy. Yeah, Except that's where I got, I got the vibe that he was sort of the antagonist here because yeah. they're... They're scheming and excited about how uh, Henry's impending departure means that uh, Frank is going to get promoted and get put in charge of the MASH unit. So they'll finally be able to to put some order and discipline into this motley crew. Yeah, he always wants to be like the guy in charge and everything's all straight laced. But then, you know, Alan Alda comes in and it's always playing pranks on him and stuff. And, you know, he can't handle that. Yeah. 
You get a melon. Yeah, you don't want those bra bombs going off. <laughs> and and fresh and fresh off our talk of uh, how vigorously Henry's going to plow his wife when he gets home. <laughs> there's lots of talk in this scene about tautness and uh, rigidness and uh, and whatnot because Hot Lips is getting all turned on by Frank's impending. Uh, command. I, I think Frank has a bit of a premature ejaculation that happens in this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely seems. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seems like he may have lost something in his pants at one point. <laughs> yeah, Mash is a horny show. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really sad and it's really drunk and it's really horny. War is hell, y'all. <laughs> Uh, so then in the next scene, continuing the uh, sharing inappropriate information with your uh, technical subordinates as much as they are friends, mm-hmm. uh, Henry is calling home and just everyone's hanging out in his office <laughs> listening yeah, to I his know. conversation with his wife and his family for some reason. I guess it didn't occur to me at the time, but yeah, that is weird, right? Like, there's yeah, like this is the, we had the scene where he schedules the call home and now we're seeing him call home, but. So is everyone else. Well, at the it's like shooting. it kind of makes sense that Radar is there because he's like the communications guy, and so yeah, he's right. the guy who's going to get get, up, get the people on the phone and you know patch them through. But then why Hawkeye is there? Who knows? <laughs> he's just there. Yeah, to, Hawkeye's like, there. <laughs> you the know, Trapper is there. You right. know who I liked is the medical skeleton who's there. <laughs> Oh, I totally missed that. He's Is there like- just great. And he's in a lot of scenes, too. <laughs> he just chills the fuck out in the office being like, you're all going to die. War is hell. Does he have a blonde wig on pretending yeah, to be Zach in detention? <laughs> if, if he had a blonde wig on, he'd get harassed by all the drunk generals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Sexy yeah. skeleton. So that's that's about the gist of that scene. Um, yeah, yeah th- for some reason, and I think it might have just been another episode. I was wondering if like it was going to turn out that his wife had been cheating on him, but oh yeah, I was kind of waiting for another shoe to drop with her. But yeah, well, it does. <laughs> well, some other shoe <laughs> was not the shoe I was expecting. There you go. <laughs> Uh, in the next scene, Radar is helping Henry pack up his office. Uh, they find an old bottle of mayonnaise, uh, and they exchange gifts and get mushy and have a sort of like, you know, makeshift father-son moment without actually saying all those words. They have a dad thing. I bet all the dads who watched this <laughs> show thought about their dads, and then their dads were dead from a war. <laughs> Technically, my dad was in the war. (laughs) At the time. (laughs) Well, well, that's when when did the show come out? I guess we could get in. 60s? 80s. 70s. 70s. Because the original, um, this particular episode aired 1975. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The original movie was 1970. And then uh, the the TV show ran from 72 to 83. I guess I've never really thought or asked about it. Well, because the Vietnam War was started in 68, was it? Uh, it depends on how you define yeah, started. But certainly by 1972, it was going strong. Because, I mean, this show is ostensibly about the Vietnam War, even though it takes place during the Korean War. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's the metaphor, right. you know, it's what it's trying to right. analyze. Well, I'm just thinking because my dad was in the Vietnam War, and then I'm like, did he, and I assume he didn't watch it until afterwards, and I don't know. I, yeah. I've never really 
asked him that. Well, and it's also because one of those things you don't necessarily realize unless you stop and think about it is that it's made in the 70s, but it takes place during the Korean War, which means, therefore, that it's set in the 50s. Yeah. Which makes it part of the the 1970s sort of pop culture throwback to the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Right. That was going on, you know, with, like, Grease and Happy Days, and um, there was a lot of... 50s nostalgia in the 70s as the kids who were, you know, the teeny boppers of the 50s were now older and had kids and were looking back fondly on that era. Um, And MASH doesn't really play in that area quite so much because it's isolated from all of those sort of trappings of the 50s for the most part, but it is technically part of that, I suppose. Do we have a, like modern day equivalent to mash regarding like the iraq war or anything i'm just thinking this um from a tv perspective not really i mean i'm sure there's plenty of series that have had their episodes that have opinions on the war but not that are like centrally focused right just yeah and certainly for movies there's like another 100 jarhead movies yeah yeah, no, there's certainly been some movies. Um, I mean, a show like uh, uh, Homeland yeah. is very is is very much, you know, in reaction to 9-11 and the Iraq war and, and whatnot um, without being quite as like explicitly like it's set in the Iraq war yeah. as as matches. But is it critical? Um, though? I guess I don't know. I've never, I've never really watched it either, <laughs> but I, I don't think it has good things to say about any of that um it has been my has been my understanding and so i think there's some shows like that 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 tie into it thematically or or toy with it without being sort of as direct an homage the way that mash is part of that though is again just the the fracturing of tv yeah there is you know we don't have the monoculture that we did in the 70s and part of it is the fact that uh for as much as a fucking quagmire as Vietnam was, it was self-contained and clean compared to the for, the forever war that we've been dealing with since. <laughs> Which you know. one? I know. Well, that's yeah. It's I mean, it's it's wow. yeah. <laughs> certainly. I mean, obviously, Mash deba- debuting in '72. It, it it started when the Vietnam War was still going on, so it's not like you couldn't have a show about the war while the war is still happening. Yeah. But, it's a lot harder to take a step back and get perspective on the war when it's still happening. <laughs> Maybe we just need to step back from a couple wars for a minute and just like self-evaluate. <laughs> Pipe down, commie. <laughs> Let's see what Alan Alda says. He's still alive. <laughs> All right. So uh, we now go to, uh, I believe it's called Rosie's bar. Yeah. If, uh, this is, according to the crack research team, the first time anyone from the camp is seen inside Rosie's bar. Well, it seems like they went there all the time. <laughs> what? And I think the idea is supposed to be that they do go there all the time, but you only ever hear about it in passing. Like, oh, oh wow. I really, I really tied one on at Rosie's last yeah. night or something like that. They really can't afford a lot of sets, can they? It's yeah. a very cheaply done show. <laughs> right. Well, especially when you get the, you get the feeling that like, most of the like everyone has the same office and it's it's like the saved by the bell classroom yeah where they just, like shoot it from the <laughs> other side and it's a new office suddenly 
Uh, and uh, all the shots from the beginning with the theme song, it shows, like, helicopters and people. That's all, like, from the movie, and they use it every time. So the whole show yeah, itself is very, right. very cheap. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the MASH gang is getting drunk at this Japanese bar and uh, managed to be only mildly racist in the process. Wouldn't it be a Korean bar? Uh, the, get the map. Get the, I don't know. <laughs> Well, this is where I'm not 100% clear on where they're supposed to be. The war, Austin. They're in the war. Thank you, Carolyn. They are in the war. (laughs) Geographically. The dad war. I mean, later they talk about him traveling over the Sea of Japan. Yeah. um, Which, you know, is neither here nor there. But I, I... I get the impression, what with, like, the helicopters flying in and out and stuff, that it's not necessarily, like two miles behind the front lines and yes. maybe it's it's back a little way so they could be probably not like on japan itself because it's obviously it's an mm-hmm. island and that wouldn't work but they could be in some some territory that has a lot of like japanese people you're involved right. you're right but <laughs> i just don't know so everybody's getting drunk and eating Woo! i guess japanese food um, I found it, I don't know why this is perhaps cultural ignorance on my part, but uh, I found it kind of fascinating to watch these guys in a TV show in the 70s set in the 50s eating their food with chopsticks. Yeah. Like, that just seems such a, like, modern day, everybody's into sushi, so we use chopsticks kind of thing, but... Uh, it's kind of cool that even back then they were using chopsticks. But but yeah, then again, you'd assume service members in both the Korean and Vietnam War were probably using chopsticks a whole lot. Right, right. Uh, so uh, I've contacted the crack research team. Oh, uh-huh. good. And they, they have found that uh, the series follows a team of doctors and support staff stationed at the 477th Mobile Army Surgical Hospital in... Oijianbu, South Korea, during the Korean War. Okay. So they are in Korea. They are in Korea, but I, I it's not that much of a stretch to imagine that there's... <laughs> no. And I think, well, that's where I was trying to think back to what Radar was saying when he was going over the flight plan, and definitely he was flying into Tokyo, mm-hmm. and then flying out from there or something, but yeah, didn't you know what? Anyway, right. sorry. Right. Um, so everybody is shit-faced as mm-hmm. hell. Um, they're talking about the toity tree. Toity tree. <laughs> which is where they go to pee outside the restaurant, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, Hawkeye speaks Japanese at one point, which I thought was also a nice little touch. It, it did a lot to humanize the character for me, that he has bothered to learn some of the local language for the people that are serving him food. And uh, Henry gets up to go take a pee at the toity tree, and then they have a little makeshift ceremony where everybody drums him out of the military and uh, they give him a new suit. I like this part where they drum. So I thought um, the bar was really familiar for them because Radar got the ladies who were serving them and cooking for them to sing for the drum line, which was fun. They were humming like an America theme song, you know, the <laughs> 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 one of them. And then... So that was fun. But what I really, really liked was when all everybody started demoting his military off him and they just rip 
things off his clothes, and then they start <laughs> ripping off his clothes, and he's fully nude at the end. <laughs> but then they won't let him open the suit yet because yeah. it's because it's like for his his civilian life or whatever. It or whatever, yeah. Tra- <laughs> Trapper Trapper had a good line here where. They're getting ready for the ceremony, and, and Hawkeye's like, you know, hey, come on, stand up straight. He says, I am standing straight. It's the country that's crooked. <laughs> or is that racist? <laughs> or is that right? I think I was giving you the benefit of the doubt that he just meant that, like, yeah. the land he was standing on was askew. Not sure. I think or it was a drunk joke. I drunk, think drunk, yeah. drunk. Did you find their drunks convincing, gentlemen? Uh, Wasn't the worst I've seen. No, wasn't the best either. I mean, sometimes yeah. I think about like it was a little too much because you're not like hallucinating. Like whenever <laughs> whenever drunks are hallucinating, you're like, that's not what drinking does. Other stuff makes you hallucinate, but drinking never really does that. So, but then right. there's times when they're like, hey, I haven't had any of that. It's like you have it right there, and part of me wants to <laughs> cry foul on that. But then I do remember one of the St. Patrick's Day where one of my friends <laughs> ordered a meal, and then when it came, insisted he didn't order it. <laughs> I didn't order that. I I know I didn't order that. Yeah, and, well, it does and look we're really all like, good, and I am going like, to eat it. In order that, and I'm like, I <laughs> saw you order that, <laughs> and you were guys doing surgery at the same time. So yeah, I know. I know it was really awkward. He just he wanted to eat his corned beef while he was operating. On <laughs> Who hasn't? And the corned like, beef came, and he was like, "I didn't order that corned beef." Yeah. Who hasn't like been painting and drinking, and you accidentally drink the paint water, right? That's- <laughs> Just what happens in surgery, guys. Well, I'm sure army surgeons have drank before, so it's not really a ding on the show, but there is part of me that's like, as they're drinking, I'm like, I hope, like, there isn't, like, a big crisis that comes in board because <laughs> they can't do anything, right? I, like, I think they do drunk crises. Like, I was wondering while we were watching this why they even bothered to have a bar in match when they drink anywhere, <laughs> including, like, during surgeries. It's yeah. just like, everyone's got a martini. Uh, also, uh, Henry's tie is silk, handmade by a worm. Yeah. Worm hands. Let me make sure they point that out to everybody. Uh, next scene is the following morning, and uh, Frank, right? Frank Burns? Yes. Frank is calling the company to to order. Radar has like a, a, a herpes or something, so he can't play the bugle very well. You know when you drink so much that you get herpes and you can't play a bugle very well? well right, as, as one does. This is where I don't know enough because <laughs> I, I don't know enough about no his more. herpes mouth yeah. and where he got that, that's for sure. No, I, I'm just thinking because Frank Burns is ostensibly in charge after... Uh, Henry Blake leaves, right? But right. But I know Colonel Potter shows. Like I know uh, I looked this up that this is the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't know when Potter shows up, but he shows up and he's the one in charge. He basically takes Henry Blake's place. So I don't know how that all happens. Whether that's addressed that Frank Burns thought he'd be in charge and wasn't, or how right. that happened. The only other interesting thing is that. Next season is the next very next episode. Basically, is when Trapper John leaves the show too. Which so they basically uh, yeah. two people yeah, leave he, like back to back. Like this is technically his last episode. Yeah, and and they address his absence in the first episode of the next. Whoa! Season. Wait, which one? The preacher? <clears throat> no, um, Hawkeye's buddy. Yeah, the other the other oh, one that's wearing the robe the in this taller, scene. fairer one. Yeah, according to the huh. cracked research team. 
he decided to leave the show because he felt that Trapper John had become more of a sidekick to Hawkeye than a <laughs> than a co-equal mischief maker. True. I do not need him as much as I need Hawkeye. <laughs> I mean, it's true, but I- I'm always amazed at how offended actors get as... <laughs> About their position on the show and how they're... Oh, actors get offended already. (laughs) Uh, I have a question, speaking of actors and offense and colonels. Now that Ryan's left, which one of us is the new head colonel, guys? (laughs) Prepare to get offended. (laughs) (laughs) I'd assume it's Austin, right? If we both assume, then it is Austin. <laughs> <laughs> then, then by default, whether I like it or not, I've been outvoted, right? And then Most we organized of us. So we, and then I mean, we can wear the bathrobes. <laughs> <laughs> then we just have to wear the bathrobes, David. And no, hey, I'm all aboard in the bathrobe train. Choo choo! Congratulations, Austin. Happened to a hell of a guy. Yeah. yeah. Now he's drunk with power and going to make me play the bugle with my... uh, With your herpes. Play it, play it, play it. I don't care what kind of mouth swords you've got, Bitsenhofer. Play that bugle. (laughs) You gave them to me, sir. (laughs) Sir, yes, sir. Uh, So speaking of bathrobes, uh, Hawkeye and Trapper come out wearing their bathrobes as as Burns is calling everyone to attention. Um, he gets the, the company assembled to say their goodbyes to Henry. Uh, Henry comes out wearing his suit, which I was at first struck by how very fifties it looks. And then I was remembering that this takes place in the fifties. So it's actually kind of error appropriate. That's what I couldn't tell. Cause there was a laugh track and he did look, you know, a little zoot suit riot. Right. Are they laughing because of that? Is he going to skank soon? He did look pretty great in those spats. Uh, everybody applauds when he comes out with his new suit. But everyone, I mean the audience, not uh, not the MASH people. I don't know. Um, this has to be like a recorded audience, right? Like, Yeah, I, I can't, can't imagine they're filming set, this right? in front of a studio audience. Yeah. Right? <laughs> hey, have you guys heard about the uh, Halloween episode of this? No. Yeah. The Monster Mash. (laughs) (laughs) I think for laughing, Austin can no longer be leader. (laughs) And by default, I guess it rests on me and God help us all, but... uh... You, you can't know. dignify that one with a laugh, Austin. You, you, you've lost all respect. You can't command anybody now. It I was a graveyard I, smash. I flew too close to the sun, you guys. <laughs> you know, I think we can, like, trade the bathrobe and the yeah. writing crop. Just like the system we've already been doing. Just we're down a true drinking homie. Here I sure hope right. he enjoys his beautiful future and nothing bad happens. Yeah. So, uh, so Henry goes down the line saying his goodbyes to everybody. <laughs> I'll give you three guesses to which characters weren't re- recurring characters. Uh, I have a few. I have a few. Good. Yeah. Um, everyone that doesn't have a bit. Yeah. And everyone <laughs> just kind of nods at them and is like, Tracy. And then, yeah, <laughs> like, why did you put them in there? Like I know. I, I respect know. the uh, n- not being the obvious of just lining up the regulars, but if that's what you're going to do and not even like bullshit a few lines or stories to them, then 
You're not helping your cause. Right. I also love how when he starts saying his goodbye, Radar's like, the chopper's 10 minutes out. Yeah. And then 30 seconds later, <laughs> when he gets towards the end of the line, he's like, that chopper's two minutes out. And I'm like, usually it goes the other way in TV and movies where they're like, you've only got 10 minutes and like 35 minutes yeah. of screen time goes by. I was like, holy shit, that was a fast eight minutes. <laughs> time goes by in the MASH universe. All right, so David, as our as the closest thing we have to a resident MASH expert, yeah. why is Klinger wearing a Carmen Miranda outfit? Well, he wants... Okay, so I can... Because he's plan- fabulous, Austin. I know. Well, Was so- that it? Like, I'm like, Is this like a super progressive depiction of a character? Yeah. Kind of. It's more progressive than it could have been, but it's, not, it's pretty good, but it's not perfect, right? Yeah. Take it well, away, David. <laughs> <laughs> the story is that he's trying to get a Section 8, I believe, because they even mentioned that in this. And that's basically, he gets deemed crazy or unfit to be in the army. And okay. then, because he just wants to get shipped back. So the reason he right. wears dresses is just so he can get shipped back. Now, that's kind of, my dad, when I was as a kid, I'm like, why is that man in a dress? He's like, well, he wants to be deemed crazy so he can get back. I don't know if... <laughs> Looking back, is it just like he wants to be considered gay and that and gets that back? Though they just yeah. never use those terms, you know. And then theoretically, you could look at it and maybe he was gay and was just kind of like flaunting it, hoping to get sent back. But of course, the also they never take him seriously enough, quote unquote, to actually do that. They always just think right, he's putting them right. on, so they he just wears dress. But that's where like it clearly wasn't working, but he's still wearing dresses. So maybe it's just what he likes to do, you know, and that's yeah. cool. right. you know, and that's where you're like, maybe it is secretly progressive. I don't know, right? And I, and there is yeah. at its core that sort of le- that sort of you know inherently phobic notion of like, there's nothing you could do that would make people think you're crazier than be a dude that wears a dress. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. sure. Keep at I, it, but then like like yeah. you say, the fact that he just keeps doing it despite it clearly not working is maybe saying something. Mm-hmm. I think there's one episode where Klinger like admits to a psychiatrist that like he used to just like to do it but just to get try to get out of the army but now he likes it for its own sake and he's like legitimately into fashion yeah (laughs) i think this whole process has awoken something within him something Mm. fantastic and amazing my and, and really my big question just as the you know watching this episode for the first time and not being terribly familiar with mash was more of a is this a thing he does a lot or is this just like the literally the wearing of the dress? Or is this just like Klinger's the goofy one? And one example of that goofiness in this episode is he's dressed like Carmen Miranda. Always dresses. Yeah. So it's he, always so it's it's a dress like that's a consistent thing. Yeah, Big he's always in a dress. Looks. Almost. All. I mean, there's gotcha. a few times, and I forget the circumstances where he's not, but almost always he's in a dress. And of course, since this is a, a formal occasion, he had to dress up for it. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I kind of admire that kind of consistency where you're like, it is. Well, when it's a casual setting, I'll wear a casual dress. Yeah, when exactly. When it's formal, I'll wear a nice dress. Carmen and Miranda. Yeah, you are a true mash naive, Austin, for not yeah, knowing yeah, that. That is the, the limbo line. Yeah, I, I did just not see little, any stills in the closing credits true. of Klinger wearing a dress. They could have shown you so many looks. So this was the OG way for dads to talk about drag queens. Yeah. And not all drag queens are trying to get out of the army, but it's okay if you are to wear a dress. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, then Henry proceeds to to plant a, a big fat wet one on Hot Lips Houlihan. Right yeah, on the wet lips. Unwelcomed kiss. <laughs> Just some casual sexual assault on the way out, you know? Yeah. Right. Even, and like Hawkeye even suggested to him, and he's yeah, like, you think I should? He's like, well, why not? What have you got to lose? It's <laughs> like a creepy whisper. And He's it's just like, a flesh bag for your mind. own amusement. <laughs> right, what's, what's the harm? Why have you done it before? Uh, everyone sings Jolly Goodfellow as he walks off to get to his chopper. Um, I love that when the chopper lands, it has an injured guy on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit, pretty, it did? But it's one of those where I'm like, so was the chopper that was coming to take him away... Did it just pick up an injured guy on the way, or was it always scheduled to have an injured guy on it? And it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what's real. I mean, in my mind, it could just be a chopper is going to be coming, and then if somebody needs to be on it, you can. They put somebody. Yeah, on they put it, somebody yeah. on it. I don't know well, if that's ho- how it really works in the military, but yeah, it kind of. Well, and and hopefully, whatever mind. injury that guy has, it's not like time time sensitive because everyone in this army doctor unit is standing around waving goodbye to the helicopter instead of you know <laughs> operating on the guy who just got dropped off by the helicopter well, I, ima- I always imagine there's some extras out there that are also surgeons and whenever the main cast are off doing stuff they, they're picking up the slack but oh, Hawk, have Hawkeye's home. like we've got important TV show stuff to do someone else take care of this one yeah, yeah exactly. and then they have a whole night show shift like yeah. the night court of MASH where they do <laughs> MASH at night night Match. Yeah, they just talk about how narcissistic the rest of the. <laughs> God, they always leave the scalpels like shit. What the fuck's with that? Exactly. They're always coming in just jibber jabber instead of trying to save lives. <laughs> they left three patients open. <laughs> God. So then, as as Henry's getting on the on the helicopter, uh, he sees across the way that Radar is standing at attention, giving him a tearful salute. And he goes over and gives him a hug, and they have a moment, and then Henry Henry flies off. They have a big extra dad moment. I don't know what that is. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So now you might be wondering, why in the holy hell are we talking about this episode? What's, well, it's still what's kind so... of special. I know. Well... <laughs> The next scene, mm-hmm. Radar comes into the operating room just like he did at the beginning of the episode to announce that Henry was getting discharged and was able to go home. And fighting back tears, he tells everyone that Henry's plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan and there were no survivors. Yeah, I guess it has more impact if you don't know it's coming, but I think all three of us knew it was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen this episode before, but yes. I knew that was coming. Oh. <laughs> There were no survivors, including the guys in the surgery tables when they got that news. <laughs> yeah, because everyone stops working on Yeah, them. I know. Again, it's another case of maybe wait till the surgery's over to let this. I mean, I know it's important <laughs> stuff, but you don't want like the surgeons weeping as they're trying to like take out someone's spleen or something, you know. <laughs> So a couple of cracked research notes uh, mm-hmm. about the execution of this, uh, no pun intended, uh, yeah. in order to evoke genuine emotions of shock and sadness from the actors, the final scene was kept a secret from the cast, 
with the exception of Alan Alda, until immediately before filming. Only then was the last page of the script handed out. Yeah, but so it's nobody... not like he really died. I don't know how I know. to get then more they really killed him. Yeah. <laughs> and after the final scene was finished, the end of the season rap party was canceled due to the poor mood of the cast. Why did they... They knew he was leaving the show. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I, I don't did they know he was leaving? I guess they must have. Yeah, this whole episode's about them leaving, and then they just canceled it because, oh, he died instead of go home, never to come back to the show. He's not coming back. It's just a TV show. Get over it. Those guys in the 70s were soft. Yeah, wow. It's kind of sweet in an idealistic way. I'm too bummed to party, you guys. This acting has <laughs> really made me sad. Uh, When Henry Blake died at the end of Abyssinia, Harry, the show's writers and producers were bombarded with hate mail and letters of protest. Some people wrote letters saying that Henry Blake is alive and well in their city. The point the producers and writers were trying to make was that all soldiers did not necessarily return home safely when their tour of duty was over. Yeah. I don't disagree uh, with the decision to have this happen. I mean... I don't know why the cast got so bummed out. I mean, I get getting bummed out when a fellow friend of yours is leaving the show, but who cares how they how their character writes right. the show? Right. You know? yeah. uh, after the news of Colonel Blake's death shocked the world, the very next night on Cher, I guess Cher had a nice. TV show or a variety show or something in the 70s, uh, the show's opening shot was of Henry Blake paddling a raft and looking at the camera yelling, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, people really cared about this television show. <laughs> right. And apparently, out of all the main characters on the show, Henry Blake was the only one to have been killed off. Yeah, I guess I never which is, thought about that. Interesting when you consider that it's a show about war. Yeah. I'm sure um, they like killed off a bunch of uh, people oh. who weren't white. Yeah, well, there's plenty of death <laughs> in the show, but you know. yeah, like um, a SAG actor. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty cool, then, like, because it is war, and the war is hell, and war is death. So yeah. I get that them they played this note, but. Uh, you guys have seen the bit on Futurama, right, where they have yes. the mash robot. Uh, it's it's fantastic. He's in between <laughs> tragedy and comedy, and it'd be like, yeah. war is hell! War is hell! It's so good. Um, so it's just like that. Hey, war is hell, you see? Yeah. <laughs> oh, war is hell. War is hell. Where they go from the tragedy of him dying, just a straight up slapstick with his montage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then the final scene of the episode, we get a brief like exterior shot of the, of the OR. And there's like a PA announcement that says like, we bid Colonel Henry uh, Vaughn farewell. And then we get a montage of like wacky moments from his <laughs> tenure on the show as like a slightly more upbeat jazzy version of, yeah. of the mash theme plays over. I love this theme and it is so wacky. These are <laughs> wacky moments. I think there's a point where he like he's he got exploded or something and he's like the all toilet. covered in soot and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. He takes a soot to the face and there's another time he got exploded where he had like a toilet stuck around his head like a horseshoe. Oh, what else? Wacky shenanigans. Wacky. Right. right. So that's uh, that's mash. Ugh. Any uh, any final thoughts on on the episode or or mash as a whole? 
Oh, we all knew it was coming, but I, but when I look back at it, I mean, I feel like they didn't really foreshadow it at all, though. I think they did a good job of, like, if you weren't ready for it, it would have been a surprise. That's my own thought. Yeah, it, I, I do think it was fairly effective. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. And, um, and, and what's kind of ni- nice, nice is the right word, <laughs> what's, what's kind of uh, good about it, I guess, is that... Uh, it works both ways. Like if you don't know it's coming, then it's this like super gut punch. Mm-hmm. And then if you do know it's coming, it's a gut punch in a different way because yeah. you're just like, Oh, he's not going to be able to plow his wife when he gets home. <laughs> he's going to die at the end of this. So yeah. it takes on like a whole other meaning when you actually know what's, what's coming. Oh, his best friend back home is going to comfort his wife and then plow her. He's never going to get to hear his kid play Ravel's Bolero on the trombone. <laughs> Thank God for small company. He only got to hear one last bugle song out of a perfied <laughs> lip. Yeah. So yeah, it does it does work pretty well as like you can just watch this and be like, oh, it's just it's just, yo, he's going home. He's mm-hmm. packing up his stuff. Everyone's saying goodbye. I think the only clue is that when he said he had one more day until retirement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it was but, the wife plowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's certain. I mean, certainly, especially nowadays with you know decades of uh, of TV under our belts. There's you know, you can watch this knowing what's coming and see some of those. I've only got one more day yeah. before I retire. Kind of moments uh, seeded throughout it in hindsight, but uh, back then I think it was a little fresher. Yeah, in that and, regard. and I guess to be fair, if they just wanted to end this with him just leaving and going home, I feel like they could have done the same thing and it would have felt the same, you know? There's... Yeah. Yeah. It was it was kind of a total Poochie died on his way back to his planet <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah. too. It's mm-hmm. kind of funny, but I mean, I can appreciate the tragedy, too. Just like Ryan. Just like Ryan. Yeah, we didn't what say what happened after he logged after off this <laughs> podcast and walked into his bedroom. Yeah, what happened, David? <laughs> he slipped and fell. There no, was yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> was his news quite Although for, for Ryan, it would probably be more appropriate to say that he... Uh, <laughs> He, he logged off and got up from his desk and then uh, Don't Stop Believing came on as he went to get some onion rings. Yeah, he hamburger. <laughs> and it was too big and he yeah, well, died. Oh, no, the problem was he went for the double hamburger. He was double fisting the hamburger. <laughs> I will say... Uh, men weren't supposed to do. I, I was struck somewhat by how, like, plotless this was. Yeah. And it just reminded me of how... Like it, it, particularly in the old days, sitcoms were even more so than today. Just so much of like, we just need one a one sentence plot to hang a bunch of jokes on. Yeah, it's a real hangout show. I feel like yeah, plotless is very much how I feel about Mash. A lot of times, it's like yeah, they just it's just about hanging out with the characters, as you said. To hang and out and you could almost see like writers sitting down and being like. All right, here's our one sentence plot. Mm-hmm. Now let's pull out our giant notebook of gags and pick six or seven of them to throw into this episode. I got a Carmen Miranda dress, a helicopter death, <laughs> right. and a peeping tree. Let's go. Death I Monday. Do go. And action. Go. <laughs> I do know later in the series they get a bit more like overtly political about trying to make statements about certain things, but 
Yeah, which when makes he, sense because later in the series, you've got some distance from the end of Vietnam and yeah. and, and Watergate has happened Ooh. and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Thank God we've been progressive ever since Watergate. <laughs> Learned our lesson. No president has been corrupt since. Right? Learned. So, uh, so David, if I wanted to send you home with herpes, <laughs> find you on the internet? I don't know. That fell apart. <laughs> well, you've already sent me home with herpes. So. <laughs> if you want to talk about it. I've heard herpes aren't as uh, bad as people think they are. Like, That's I've heard I've heard that as well. That and they're pretty- very common, especially on the mash cast. Yeah. That, <laughs> but the only problem is that we've actually named it instead of it being just another rash people sometimes get. But anyways. Maybe sex rash. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Bits and at the real gentleman of leisure.com. Uh, Carolyn, how about you? Well, let's see. When I'm not toileting on trees or being exploded, <laughs> you can find me online. I'm Carolyn Main, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I-N, like the street. I have a Twitter and a Patreon. You can get postcards in the mail from me, so check that out. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Austin Gorton, and you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. Uh, also, let's see, what is this going up? Yeah, I will, um, sometime after this goes up, if, if you're, uh, if you're reading X-Men comics, I will be reviewing the new Hellions book at uh, XavierFiles.com. Uh, so come check that out starting the uh, end of March, I think, is when the first issue of that ships. So, uh, yeah. Uh, as for the show, you can find us at uh, on Twitter at AVSEpod. You can email us at AVSEpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is a very special episode podcast.com. You can download all of our episodes from there. We are also available for uh, download and streaming on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. So for a very special episode, I am Austin Gordon, and I am off to find the toity tree. <laughs> toot toot. Number the number two trees for or no number one. The number one trees for number for two. number two and, and the three number, trees for number, for one. number one and the thir- the fourth tree is the ladies tree. Yeah. Do you don't want to go there? You do not, David. You will get beat the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're wearing a Carmen Miranda dress. Yeah. Yeah, that was this ABC on your home PC with some VIPs of SBTP. Was it Austin G, Dr. DB, RAT, or What the heck was with that TV? This podcast is kind of funny. Excuse us all, because we gotta go pee. That was a very special episode We dissected that shit from head to toe Did the time fly by or was it slow? Got so many life lessons Oh how we've grown Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode Next time on a very special episode